we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 18th day of January, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams, and Ned is joining us again today. And so we're going to kind of pick up here where we left off uh, from yesterday's podcast. And this is the part that we didn't get to. Uh, we wanted to uh, continue on. However, in the interest of time, we didn't uh, didn't have a chance to continue on that uh, that subject line. So we thought we would just venture off and, and talk about China on this podcast. Wanted to get your opinion on what's going on uh, with uh, with China. A lot of people have predicted, that, and I'm talking about like financial people, Wall Street people, London Stock Exchange people. They're predicting that China is going to economically collapse around the second quarter of this year. Uh, that's been the the talking point behind the scenes. And at the rate that they're on, it seems to be the track that would most likely be the um, uh, the right outcome. China's got about 20 to 30 million people, depending on what headline you're looking at, locked down at the moment, as in they don't even allow them to come out of their houses to get food. They have uh, they've taken the approach from what we saw over a year ago, or actually two years ago, where they were um, welding people into their houses, you know, welding the door shut, They've done this with uh, apartment complexes of thousands of people, and they don't even let them go out and get food. I mean, that's that's just it. Earlier in the year, we saw that China was having massive flooding, and we knew that China's harvest had failed. Of course, that's not going to be public knowledge, uh, because they're not going to admit that on the world stage. But um, if their harvest was forty one percent, was forty percent, that means they can't feed more than half of their population. So let's just continue on with a COVID-19 outbreak, and that gives us a reason to lock down millions of people and weld them into their homes and not give them any food, but send out reassuring messages that the government is sending food. That seems the most likely outcome, that they're just literally sealing people up and getting them out of the way. What are your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> it's thinking down an ultimate route, isn't it? It's, it's where, okay, what's COVID given you? COVID has given you a break in all the protocols for following anything genetic. They've broken all the rules, rushed everything through, and it, they're, they're still doing it. It's it's not an explained thing. They haven't debated it, like we said, medically or otherwise. And even when they've gone to the medical people, the medical people have said, well, don't you think it's time? Immunity works and everything. But that's not what it's about. What they've done is they've broken all the protocols on this hindrance of genetic protocols, which stops things taking a leap because it might be dangerous. They've got to follow these protocols, which take four and a half years. Now they've done it with a vaccine and you're going to be seeing the uh, next step with the problematic matter of food. Now, what is one of the massive industries in the world that people would like to control? It's farming. It's food. People will need food. It's a massive controlling factor within populations. If you can control food, you will actually really be pinning populations down. And if what was held back was genetic use 
of GOs, as in genetic organisms, which were used to create genetically altered food, which, I mean, it's been going on in Mexico. This war's been going on in Mexico. They've been using the land and things like that. And farmers there haven't wanted this genetic organs organisms being used and whatever. And this has been going back and forth for decades. But since they've broken the protocols for the vaccine, what's stopping the corporations using that as an excuse to push, well, we really need food and push the genetic organisms route through that so then they can start getting more control over farmlands and under the pretext of this is good for you, this is good for the world, we've got to feed everybody. But every year, every crop, you're going to have to buy seeds from us because our genetically altered crops will not produce the seeds that we can produce for you in the labs. You won't. So you're going to have to be beholden to us and they will be generating and being in control of everything. And they can either use it to make things fail or not. It is possibilities of next step. Yeah, it sounds dark. But I mean, it, this could be really abused at a really, really horrible level. Well, you asked me what I thought. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry yeah. for that. No, you're fine. Uh, Bruce, you want to jump in there? You got anything on that? Uh, yes and Yes and no. So it, it's kind of uh, no in the sense of it, it, it's pretty much what we've been talking about. I, I, I'm wondering if these lockdowns, these the destruction of the rest of the world's economy is to have a controlled collapse globally to uh, create a new system of control, right? Uh, that's what my concern in this is uh, w with China collapsing. Um, are they going to try to collapse the rest of the world at the same time? Because one of the things that isn't really talked about, at least in the mainstream, um, why why are not governments at each other's throats right now in the sense of um, there's a lot of debt out there? A lot of countries owe other countries and well, they owe each other and... Nobody's really going at each other's throats over this. Everybody all decided to follow the same trends and shut down the entire world, basically at the same time. Why? And not only that, but these same countries owe money to the central banks. Why are the central banks not trying to get their money back? Because in, in normal times, they would be trying to get the money back, especially when we're starting to see inflation, inflationary things. It just, I don't know. It, it, everything, the, the sniff test is off. Something is off. And I, I can't exactly put my finger on it, um, but it, it feels like they're going to try to collapse everything at once. Because if, if China starts going down, uh, what, what's stopping the central banks or the governments from trying to collect and, and causing economies this to collapse is, at the same yeah, speed and rate? But this is it. It fits into the whole scheme, doesn't it? If you think about it, if you have a collapse, you will then have, oh, a savior. You still got to feed the world. You've got to do this. Something collapses. Somebody steps in to save it. The only way we can save this and actually produce things on a vast scale, la di da di da. It if they're going to collapse it, what's the ulterior motive? And uh, usually, an ulterior motive means they're going to push something that would normally take either at a bureaucratic level or a humane level, or where most governments would step in. And you haven't heard a damn thing about human rights or rights of anything or whatever in the last two years. It's all gone silent. And like you say, they all seem to be reading from the same script. It's heading in some direction. Yeah, it's not the sniff test is off. There's a horrible stink somewhere. And that's what you do. You make things so bad that to step in as a savior 
to mask what? I, I sincerely hope it isn't to sidestep everything, but they sidestep a hell of a lot of protocol in the last two years. What yeah. is the next step? I don't know the answer. Yeah, there is something off, Bruce. Totally in agreement. And it hasn't finished yet. I, I think I think what we're saying, I think that is probably the next step, is um, they need control of, as you were saying, they need control of the food. They need control of business. Uh, you need businesses, like the small business, um, they have to keep you, the individual, from being able to make it on your own. They need you to be um, complicit and dependent upon them. Part of the bigger picture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think collapsing everything is is quite possibly the the intention, the plan. You know, it's funny. We're sitting here and we're discussing this, and this literally just popped. Uh, this, is, uh, this is out of the National Pulse. You mentioned that uh, a farmer, for example, would be forced to take their seeds, not just a, a normal seed that you plant and it grows back every year, but it's a terminator seed, as they call them. Mm -hmm. You plant it, it grows, you harvest the crop, and then you can't replant. That's it. You have to go back to them the next year. What's the number one company that we know of that creates those seeds that are genetically modified organisms that do business in the agricultural sector? I Years ago, I would have been able to put a name to it, but not now. Monsanto, the same company that gave us Agent Orange <laughs> during the Vietnam War, is now involved in the agricultural business. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? A Monsanto scientist has pled guilty to stealing secrets for China. Gee whiz, what would what would China want with uh, with uh, agriculture? Right? Isn't that isn't that kind of what it's all about here? See, China, China. That's that's the elephant in the room right there. Is China's harvest failed? We said that how long ago now? What was it, Bruce? Like six months ago? Yeah. China, yeah, China's harvest like failed. Forty percent. China bought more grain from the United States in the last three months than they did in the previous three to four years. China's harvest failed. The record flooding that was happening in that country, it flooded their farm fields out. Forty percent. You can't feed 60 percent of your population. You have a problem. That also goes to the point why they have 30 million people in lockdown. If China loses 30 million, what do they care? The Chinese, com I mean, that's terrible, of course, but the Chinese Communist Party, those thugs and gangsters, they don't care about human life. They don't. Hell, any totalitarian regime, I can't really say that. I, I can't even go much further as far as giving any credit to any of our governments as of late when it comes to that. So, uh, but anyway, a former scientist employed by the American agricultural giant Monsanto pled guilty to a conspiracy to commit economic espionage on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party and against the United States. A, uh, let me see, Zhang Haitao, I think is his name, 44, a Chinese national formerly residing in Chesterfield, Missouri, admitted to stealing trade secrets from Monsanto and its subsidiary, and a subsidiary, the Climate Corporation, from 2008 to 2017, where he worked as an imaging scientist. Mm -hmm. Did it say what he stole? Uh, let me see. Despite his agreements to protect intellectual property. Yeah, of course, a Chinese national is going to protect intellectual property on something. We've given them a key to the patent office since Nixon. <laughs> we, we actually have. He was the one that started that. Uh, the intellectual property and repeated training is obligations to do so. Uh, Zhang now admitted he stole a trade secret from Monsanto, transferred it to what is that uh, glyphosate or something uh, and transferred it to a memory card and attempted to take it to the People's Republic of China for the benefit of the Chinese government. That was according to Assistant Attorney General. Uh, Matthew Olson of the Justice Department's National Security Division. The stolen technology was a digital online farming software platform that could collect, store, and visualize 
critical agricultural field data and, in, and increase and improve agricultural productivity, productivity for farmers. A critical feature of the platform was a proper or, uh, was a proprietary predictive algorithm referred to as the nutrient optimizer, which Monsanto and the Climate Corporation describe as a valuable trade secret. Nutrient. Nutrient okay. optimizer, yeah. So it's something you obviously add to your crop and you get the best out of it, but what does it actually do to your crop? You don't know. The question? Never. Okay, fine. But it just raises the question, the future. I mean, it just adds up, doesn't it? A massive population in the world, overpopulated. Big thing is food. The problem is we do have the ability to feed ourselves. If we didn't have all this stupid um, business structure of where, I mean, we, we've had we've had food mountains in the past, we've had this, and it has never been given to the people that really need it, or it has been done to juggle the prices and fix prices throughout the world. I mean, this business structure where you've had farm subsidies because we've they've told them not to use that farmland to produce what they normally produce, we'll pay you not to produce so we can keep the price of it somewhere else going. I mean, theoretically, yeah, yeah, okay, it's a business structure, but it is quite criminal when we've got, we should be thinking globally and nobody should be going hungry, really. We have the facilities and the ability to feed everybody at a decent cost. It's just ridiculous. So I, I had heard uh, the argument in the past that the only reason we see famines and pestilence and those kind of things is politics. That's all it is. It's just politics now. We have the technology, we have the ability to grow food. Hell, one country has the capacity to feed the entire world, let alone having, uh, you know, farming and everything in every country and being able to sustain it. it we have the ability to feed everyone. It's just politics get in the way. And who makes the decisions whether we do or we don't? And who has the conscience to actually make that decision for the betterment of who? I mean, this is, I mean, this really, we have the chance to actually move into an age of enlightenment due to COVID, due to the bollocks that is going on. Now we're at rock bottom because economically, if you think about it, the world is at rock bottom. So here's your chance to rebuild it on a global scale as people or not. Yeah, but the the, then, the system has to crash though. As much as I hate to say that, like it's yeah, we're, we're trying yeah. we're trying to minimize the damage though. That that's the thing is we we want to minimize the damage, but the system has to hard reset. Any way we look at it, the system has to hard reset. It's just a matter of of when when you get to this point, you know just as well as I do, you need some kind of stabilizing force at the other at, yeah. once you get to the other side. You need a stabilizing force and. Quite frankly, with the people that are in charge now, they're not it. They're they're not it. So it has to be what you said. It has to be. It has to come from the people. It has to be that way. We need to, as in like on the other side, we need to recreate with all the safeguards in it, close up all the loopholes. When we finally get these bastards, we, we need to close up all the loopholes to make sure that we have that representative form of government. Now, whatever that might, whatever form that might take for whatever nation, that's for their people to decide. But we've got to have a stabilizing factor and it's got to be done 
and the people have to have a say. And this goes with everything else, because whoever's going to control that mechanism that we're sitting here talking about, whoever's going to recreate that mechanism, and, and the, the World Economic Forum types, the Schwabs, the Gates, the, the rest of these people, they're the ones that are trying to recreate that mechanism to work for themselves and cut us out. We need to control that mechanism so we can control our agriculture, so we can control our supply lines, so we can control our, our all of our industry and our economies, everything. It has to be that way. The only way that can happen is if governments actually sit around a table and actually say, enough is enough, we are servants of the people, and we actually have to get our shit together. And corporations are a business, and if they want to be in our countries, they have to kowtow. Simple as that. I mean, after all, corporations are a business. They are beholden to nobody other than their pocket. Governments are in charge of people's populations, countries. They have ethically the right to look after the people, not to let the people be run roughshod over. And money is a tool like everything else. Wording went, money isn't the root of all evil. It's the want of money is the root of all evil. And yeah, wanting all this and think they can control everything. Money is a tool. And governments, if they sat around the table and got together and went, if corporations have nowhere to go and they're on our soil and they are only a business after all, and you take out, oh, yeah, you say we're in debt to you, that doesn't mean you control us. As a government, I don't want you in this country. We'll wipe the debt out and you're not getting anything. But if they did that as one, that's the only way you can get a peaceful resolvement and they would, somebody would kowtow. But if that isn't done, oh yeah, I've got a clue how you resolve it. It is just, then that's a pipe dream, isn't it, really? It'd be nice. Even, the thing is, the, the next question I have, though, is even if we do uh, get things fixed, like we get, the, we get governments uh, returning back to being servants of the people, we, we, we get everything back into alignment, how do we fix the economy? I mean, here in the U.S., inflation is skyrocketing. The, the rest of the world is seeing inflation skyrocket. How yeah, triage okay. that bring that? Triage the control no, we no, talked about yesterday. Triage the debt. The trouble, yeah, the, 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 th the thing is, the debt has to go, but it is about time we all grew up as a race because COVID has taught us something. If they keep everybody divided and they keep the information away from each other and they have control of the media and everything, human nature wants it, will always want to believe in what they think the betterment is and the easier life or whatever. But if you do, one thing that has to work is on a global nature and it has to be a global nature. Um, and yes, have a representative, like you've got X amount of states in America, 50 states of America. It's just like having each country is a, a representative around that table. You have governors and senators from the different states and whatever. But that's, that's no different to the world. If you just saw the world as one country and each country is just a state and has a representative, and then you make a global constitution and the best of everything you can think of. And that's the way it goes. So you have... Your general, you general, you have your laws or whatever, but you still have your states, as you would it would would have their own could use or not do things, you know, like different states can't. Well, you yeah, have they a, have the whole. The each state has its own constitution. They have their own uh, ability to govern themselves. They have their own senates. They have their own house of representatives. What's the, What's the difference to the world being one country and each country acting as a different state? Nothing. Exactly. Then wouldn't it? 
work and gel more together because then you'd get rid of you'd eventually what the world needs is cut the manipulation out of all the different currencies wouldn't that be nice if there was one currency then they wouldn't be having all these hedge funds and everything and manipulating different currencies and people with more money making more money and if you had one currency wow that solved that thing and you've got trade going across one way or another and it is what it's worth free trades i mean what's the point of just locking it up and stopping it there and giving it well you can go through here as long as you pay this this and this By the time it gets there it's cost so much more but whatever. it's actually but but it's not is you know we, we kind of started this talking about farms i want to i want to that's a good point let's talk about um let's talk about the uk for example when it comes to farms bruce and i were watching something on okay Prominent guy, prominent television presenter. Even if you don't know the stuff that he's done, you at least know the name. I know you know who this is. Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Did Top Gear. Yeah, did Top Gear for years. Now he has his own Amazon series uh, called Clarkson's Farm. He bought a farm. And Uh Bruce and I were watching uh, a piece that he did. And he does like the whole, you know, organic stuff, you know, the, the process of raising cattle and, and things like that, raising beef cattle and, and all that stuff. He has said that this government that you have under Boris Johnson, just on this topic, has done a deal with Australia for whatever they do down there. It's like the industrial type thing where it's like grain fed, um, you know, uh, ca- excuse me, grain fed, like corn fed cattle and, and all the rest of that stuff. Uh, but... It costs more for Clarkson to take from his farm in the UK to take an actual grass-fed cow, put it to slaughter, and then have it in a shop, go through all the you know the checks and the rigmarole, you know, yeah, every, everything, all the health and safety regulations, all all of it, go through all of that, and then get the product approved and have it sold to the consumer and on a plate five miles away. That costs more than what it cost to bring in a steak from Australia. So what do you do with that? that This just makes it faster, the whole system. It's like in this country, when I was growing up, take take something like, I mean, you ate what was available. Uh, We we had lamb, shoulder of lamb, leg of lamb or whatever, yeah? And it wasn't expensive, whether it is New Zealand lamb or whatever. But due to the European market and everything and the controls of um, making adjustments and selling products in different countries why were we selling all our welsh lamb to europe and importing new zealand lamb cheaper makes no sense absolutely no sense it doesn't it, it doesn't but it's all about adjustment and control and it it's it doesn't add up it doesn't make sense to literally ship something it doesn't but it's we'll do this for you if you do this for us this is why yeah if this country, the UK, used to support itself in food totally, yeah, and could do. And it had to after the war. Yep. Yeah, and it had to during the war. So situations create, yes, it can, and it can create, and it was producing more food and producing it for others because it had to. We know it can. We know the agricultural structure's there. But due to the bureaucracy, and well, it is, the, the world is top-heavy with offices office workers, bureaucratic legislation, oops, that have been, it's it's like everything, and we're so used to it in the UK, everything is done for the right reason. Oh, this ain't working, we'll do right. So it goes through this pendulum swim. It gets to a certain point where it's actually working, and it has to go and be abused and go, the pendulum swings to an extreme, 
and it all goes wrong and it all gets abused. Whether it's, I mean, you take the health and safety structure, it's getting bogged down with bureaucracy and whatever when it is, it is underneath it all, it is a good tool to be used. But it then creates another rule and another rule and another rule. And there's a lot of unnecessary stuff along the way. And this is what happens to everything. And it is bureaucracy. I mean, we created, in this country, we created loads of, we, our infrastructure changed from being government subsidized, government run to whatever, and everything was sold off and different countries bought up our energy companies and our railway infrastructure, la, 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 and we weren't producing everything. So we became um, a country of shopkeepers, uh, a country that legislated everything. And this was the London is the hub to come to for business or whatever. But we actually, as products on car industry and everything else, we've got small, very small industries, very small individual companies and little things like that. But no, we've learned how to juggle things and tie things up and bureaucratically move things around the world. And the world is embedded in this, whereas it should be a nice tidy web. It's like a, a snotty mess now and everything's just mixed up and it just doesn't. And there's so much hidden within it. And the amount of people, if, if you look, if you look, if you, if you went and spoke to somebody honestly, and they went for a job and they get a job and it's an office job. The first thing they do when they get there is they'll Google their next job. Seriously? Yeah. Look, but the, but the, how does that, hold no, on, no, no, no. Just, how does that make any sense? They just got that job. Why would they Google their next job? Well, it's simple. When you, job wise, it used to be you'd get a reference. You'd, you'd get a job, you'd give your CV out. Whoa, look at this. Hang on. Yeah, he's been this job. He's loyal to this. He's been out for quite a while. Yeah, that sounds like a good bump. Yeah, he knows his stuff. Bump. Or she knows her stuff. Whatever. Yes, loyalty paid for something. Yeah. And then somebody would want a reference and they get a reference and it's fine. Then they created the, oh, you can't write a bad reference. You just, no, in this country, You're you can't me. write, you, you can't badmouth somebody in a reference. You can not reply and say, I don't want to give them a reference, but you're not allowed to badmouth somebody. Yeah. So that changed the structure of something. Yes. All right. So that was a, that was one of the first changes. Yeah. You change from personnel department, you change to human resources. And then where you used to have people where loyalty meant something. Yeah. You then got people that, used to be in a job and didn't stay there for long now they've become what they call the shakers and movers so but all they're doing is they're going in they're not staying in these jobs for more than a year or two years but they're using it to step up into the next one this is why you get but middle management top heavy if you come into a job blame the people that have left try and restructure stuff get budgets for it and then move on after a period of time and the next person you'll see will be blaming you for it. Well, th okay, gone. that's that's all well and up. good. Yeah, that's all well and good. But like you, you've like you're basing all of that on 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 uh, a destroyed mediocrity. So you like you've you've destroyed your ability to hire someone based on talent because you can't give them a bad review if they move to another job. So what's to stop that employer from from saying no? Sorry, uh, we've chosen someone else. Yeah, but the thing is, your CV. If you, if you know, I mean, I, I worked in um, a certain area for a long time, and I started to notice in so many years, you went through the same cycle. And within this great structure, there was other departments. And because 
they weren't allowed to give somebody a bad review, but they couldn't really get rid of them or whatever. That they then, if not that person then applied to another department within the great structure, they didn't give them a bad review, but they were glad to get rid of them. And then they were hired by someone else. So yeah, then yeah. that goes on, and then they've got them. Yeah. yeah? yeah. So, you, so you you've managed them out. Yeah. Yeah. You've managed them out. They've moved on. They've got a okay from them, but the poor sucker that's got them in the long run. No, and I've seen this. And then, funnily enough, that person then finds out, well, they're a bit sly. So they become a union rep for individuals. So they then find they're indispensable and they can't do the job that they were hired to because they then made themselves something because they couldn't do it anyway. Right. And all this is going round. All this is going round. Yeah. And you get people that move in and change the structure. And where you had useful people within the structure to maintain stuff they then want to farm it out and they create a total separate level of management to make themselves in control by getting rid of these people that are useful within certain departments and then farming the work out to outside sources and then writing contracts with them and going well now they've got to follow the contract and do that work and all i've got to do is sit here and either make them responsible or not. And you've got another line of structure of management to manage that. And you've got rid of your useful workers and the people that used to keep those. And you see this this happening. And this is in government too. So we like this. It's it's, it's in all structures. It's in all things. It is. It is. But the bureaucracy that's jamming things up is is what yeah. is the, the point that that you're trying to make right that's the point is is all these people and all these departments upon and tear upon tear upon tear and what they do is i mean and i've seen it they go in and when they're in a, a, a big establishment they they use that next as a stepping stone to get somewhere to get somewhere to somewhere, and they just add another thing to their resume and it is and what they've actually achieved is nothing because and and it's and that is endemic of a what you call a decadent society. It's just going around in those same cycles, and that is that is also a product of an overpopulated society as well, because it's making jobs where there are no jobs. If if you um, take it in the UK, I mean, obviously, Conservative Party come in for a period of time, and people, yeah, it's great. Then it, people get bit upset when they do something so the labor party gets voted and one of the funny things was when one of the labor party did something they used to make they used to be seen as the one for the people and they were creating jobs and things and the jobs they created and the trouble is within our infrastructure once the jobs and everything and all that things are created unlike your um president who can come in and go uh, i don't like what the previous president did that's out that's out that's gone that's gone that's gone that's gone and i can nullify everything yeah nothing is done and then they could start wherever they left an email and it was all the money's gone up yourself now you're in government so the conservative party that came in because basically there is only so much to do stuff but if you create desk jobs and desk jobs and desk jobs you if you wanted to create um your own small company the hoops that you have to jump through now and training that people need and they they make sure that you have to have so much legislation. If you want this person this person to do this, once they're trained, isn't it enough? They have to be retrained every year or two years, da, 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 whatever. And all that's been shortened down. And you get these tears upon tears upon tears. And you have all these and 
most well, training now is online. Yeah, and that's well, it's definitely now online because of COVID. But that, that's yeah. one of the questions we were asking years ago. Was, was uh, like you, you go, you drive past the Department of Agriculture building in the United States. There's 14 stories in that building, and everyone's sitting in there behind a laptop. What what are they doing in there? What in God's name are they doing in there? And that's just one building. Bruce, you're a fan of demo- of uh, uh, you're a VR you're a farming. Of, yeah, VR farming. <laughs> Bruce, you're a fan of bureaucracies, uh, most notably the Bureau of Land Management. What, what's your take on mm-hmm. all this? Okay, well, uh, I I mean I can sum it up in short and just say that um, every single department, uh, from a, a government standpoint, uh, I know this is true for the U.S. and I'm I'm sure it's true in other countries. Every single alphabetical department you can do without. Uh, you don't need any of them. In fact, here in the United States, <laughs> everything that's not specified in the Constitution to be for the federal government goes to the state. So pretty much every department is done away with. All of them. Uh, most of the <laughs> most of the bureaucracy that is today is because of um, the Commerce Clause. And they try to exploit that, manipulate the the meaning of it to try to make more bureaucracy. Uh, so it's just it, red tape gets in the way. You you try to innovate and create, or you just want to start a business while well, government's in the way of that. And and it's honestly, I I, I think we're we're behind um, both technologically, but also uh, like society is um, as a whole is going down. And I. I think large, the large portion of that is because of government, because government's in the way or just government involvement. Uh, not even necessarily that the government was in the way, but the government tried to help. I, I think many of these issues stem from that. Well, you remember Ronald Reagan when he said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's we the even got a laugh it, yeah. at the English. We even got a laugh of the Englishman out of that one. He knows it's true. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is. It is. It's, I mean, it's, everything's top heavy. I mean, basic way a company works. I mean, especially if you see it within the UK, the, the, the most companies that can survive in the UK are the service industry. So basically, because if you're not producing things, you've got to service it and keep it maintained. That's the best industry to be in. So the engineers on the ground, people who do the work, bring the money in. So there's got to be enough of them and enough money in to pay for the people in the office. La, 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 la. And it works up that way. If then the office level, which like in bureaucracy gets too top heavy, like some big companies do, it just, it just spirals out of control Jobs for no reason. In the West, we are so good at that. We are so good at just jamming the system up. Yeah, it's it's like that everywhere. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, as somebody that's dealt with the bureaucracy in, I want to say, four different countries now, it's the same. It's the same. And God help you if you have to go to France. I can only imagine what that system's like, jamming that system up over there. My God, I know French people, and they tell me that when they have to deal with it, it's a nightmare. When a French person tells you that they've got a bureaucracy... Can you imagine what that's like? I mean, the French are confusing enough on the surface. You know, no disrespect of our French listeners, but can you imagine dealing with that bureaucracy? My God. It's just, it's, why? Why, why? I mean, some people have a good idea and then they, the idea of having a Euro, European federation about free trade is, is great, but open that free trade 
to everybody. That would create entrepreneurs, that would create small businesses, and that is exactly what they don't want. The European Federation failed itself by actually putting blocks on some of its own countries and made, I mean, obviously the people in the UK decided I've had enough and they voted I'm out. So everything's gone back to or will be totally taxed at the borders, done this, done whatever. But And it's just, and that in itself is a bureaucratic nightmare. I mean, just at the borders, there's certain countries within Europe that didn't agree to all of their rules, including Norway and stuff like that. So things cost more. I mean, in, in some form or other, you've got bureaucratic blackmail because that's all it is. Bureaucracy is another word for blackmail. Do it this way, otherwise there'll be penalties. Why does there have to be penalties? And the only way to stop that is if everybody works from the same sheet. It's like having engineers in a firm. If they don't work from the same song sheet, nothing's going to get done and it's going to fail. Let's simple. It, yeah, I, I agree. Let, let's, let me ask you this then. So since we're sitting here, we're talking about bureaucracies and we're talking about different countries. Let's look at the different countries of the UK because people look at the UK and they just think England, right? That, no, no, no. England is a country inside of the United Kingdom. United Kingdom is made up of Northern Ireland, Scotland, yep. England, and Wales. Uh, but let's talk about what uh, Scotland wants to do. Scotland now under this, whatever she is up there, she represents the Scottish Nationalist Party, you know, the SNP. They want independence, yet they don't like they, they want to be independent from the UK, but they want to stay part of the EU. That has to be a bureaucratic nightmare. And then Wales, they've got their own devolved government. Scotland, of course, they have a devolved government. The, uh, the Northern Irish have a devolved government. So how does that work with a bureaucracy, with the, all that within the UK? How, how does all of that work? How do you manage it's, that? It's, it's, it's a melting pot. The biggest problem we've had in the UK is we've all come to support each other, but there's been always something bubbling under the surface. And there are four nightmares here. Scotland, Scotland is just about as big as England in square mileage. And there is a hell of a lot less people up there. It's like seven, England, million, I think. Yeah, it's probably like um, Manchester, and that's oh. it. <laughs> okay, that's uh, pretty yeah. sparse. One of the one, one of the big cities, uh-huh. and that's it. Yeah, and politically, yes, I can actually see why they're looking down south, giving it. That is a very overpopulated bump of land down there. There's a hell of a lot of them, and it's really going to pot. La di da di da, and before they all start buggering up up here, because and moving up here, we want to get out of this. But the point, the thing is, England rules from government, and that is what they say. And there's been money allowed per popular population head and whatever. But Scotland has done things right as much as it's a political move by individuals. Whether it works out or not is something else. But we're all one island, and we should actually sort it out by now, which is sheer proof of the bureaucratic nonsense that we haven't. I mean. Wales, but that's treated very separately. Northern Ireland, I mean, that's been a melting pot. For, I feel actually sorry for the peoples because we're still seeing each other as different peoples and yet we're part of the same nation. I mean, Scotland is a beautiful place. England is so overrun in the South with pure amount of people. We are overburdened. Wales is a beautiful country. North England is beautiful as well. South could, it's, it's, South 
It's got its lovely spots, but it is so overburdened with people. Northern Ireland, I can't really speak about because being in the forces, uh, a lot of time I, I wasn't allowed to go there. I've, I've been to actual Ireland, but um, that's a beautiful place. What there is so much there, and one thing Scotland's got for, is still going for it. It's free to go to university if you're in Scotland. You know that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I remember Mark that, talking and, about that, that in itself. That in itself is, I'll hold my hand up to, that is something that should be, education should be free if we want everybody to go forward. But it's not. I mean, that's something that's faltered and fallen away. But no, yeah, we are a melting pot ourselves. As much as um, you'll have people saying, oh, we don't want to be part of Europe and the vote is whatever, but we've come out and yeah, um, people are going to be upset when we were part of it, because it does affect the economies of those different places. Because England, in some respects, because of its overburdened population and everything, in some respects, has not really played it fair. But you are able to govern independently, though, as in like each one of the countries within the United Kingdom, you're able to do exactly what you were stating earlier about U.S. states. You have your own... To some some degree. To some degree. Yes, yes, to some degree. But things can be forced by law. Which is, I mean, yeah, no, it's um, it's silly. It, once again, we come down to the um, population and the way it's been handled. It, it could always have been, and this is why some people in the background have let the population run riot. I think it's been manipulated to let it go because it was one of those things that wasn't spoken about. The last time I heard it spoken about was when I was a teenager, a long time ago. And that's when they said 7 billion is the tipping point comfort in this world. And we went past that a while ago. And then we're talking about in the 70s. And, and it hasn't been talked about as if someone's gone, hmm, okay. But then everybody screams. I mean, yeah, nature's got its buttons and everything. And it has because we all have it. You, know, you can have a child and then um, whether it's uh, a good birth or not, or even if it's, even if it's a harsh pregnancy. Nature has its horrible way of, even if you decide, well, you know, I don't want you to go through this or she doesn't want to go through it again. A couple of years down the line, it's because of the design of nature and all these genetic buttons that are in there, prepare to have another kid, possibly. And that that is the way it is. And we we have, although we are sentient creatures, we lose our understanding and then you could uh, that could cause in itself arguments. I mean, they say um, a, a woman gets broody and that, but yeah, they do go through this. And then if they, you know, the, we we should be at a point where we should be able to pull ourselves by our head, you know, and go, well, what is right and what is wrong? No, should we or shouldn't we? I mean, if you had uh, a real bad pregnancy and you just got out of that, is this one going to be any better? And we've got a lovely child as it is. Should we go forward and have another one? But don't. And then you get all this psychological stuff because it is so hard. Uh, it's an imbalance and that they think, well, what don't you think? A kid should have another kid, someone to play with. We can make any every excuse we want to self-justify because humans, we are so good at self-justification. But we are such a young race and we've got so far ahead technologically that you've got nature-nurture clashes, and, and underneath it all, you've got people that have their altruistic ways, as they call it, and they see that they have the hand and the way that they can push the race forward. But at the moment, it seems like they're knocking the soul out of the human race and 
it's getting not very good. You know, when you look at some of the things that uh, that that we show around here, as in, like, I, I mean, I don't know how much you pay attention to this stuff when you're when you're not, um, you know, when you're not on with us. But um, when you see the movements that are happening on mainland Europe, mainly France, Germany, uh, the Dutch are out tonight. As a matter of fact, this just came in. Just- I haven't seen anything from the Swiss lately. Are they still out there? As far as I know, they are. Uh, but I haven't. I haven't seen anything lately. They were. Uh, they were protesting the um, the vaccine passport, but mm-hmm. it went through anyway. So I know. Uh, yeah, whatever's. Uh, I mean, and clearly with the numbers that they were putting up down there, I can't possibly imagine that that passed by any legitimate means. But this is the Dutch tonight. The farmers are out there leading this one, as you'll be able to see here in just a second. The people are coming around. They got the torches out. And Mm -hmm. my friend, you know, being from England, when you've got torches out, that kind of says one thing. When the people come marching down to your door with torches in the night (laughs) and pitchforks, pitchforks, (laughs) that um, that usually only means one thing. So I'm asking when you see things like this. When you see things like this, and you saw the uh, what I was putting up from uh, from Germany last, I mean that's ha- this kind of stuff right here is happening in Germany every day in multiple cities. When you see that kind of stuff, though, doesn't that give you hope that the people are wanting to stand up and take control of their own destiny? Yeah, but they've got to keep marching in all the yeah. countries. They've got to stand. There are people willing to say it, but what is harsh is, I mean, I'm not a computer whiz. But there must be people listening to that that have must have some ideas of how to get things out in different places. Because the media's across the world, whether it's Germany, America, UK, anywhere in the Western world, all different countries. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Their media is seems to be more localized with a lack of international use because we have to find it. I have to find and go look for it in this country. And it's like Everyone is isolated, and yet everything needs to be spread out there. I mean, it'd be lovely to have enough money to have a, a central server where I could bring things in and just kick them out. It would be just beautiful. Yeah, free information. Bang, off you go. Make of it what you want, but this is going on in here and here. Actually, we and, we could we could give you that if you compile it. There's a place you can put it together. You can drop it yeah, on our. Yeah, you could drop it in on yours, but it's got to get out to innumerable places I see what not. you mean yeah I, I see what you mean so like a central place where I mean, or, 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 if it, or if it does go there if it does go there it gets shut down rather rapidly and that is the problem I mean what right do people have to I mean I don't understand why people want to be in media and fully know know well that there's stuff out there they should be reporting and they're not I mean that in itself I agree. I mean, I watch some of these. I watch some of these networks. I, the, the BBC included. I mean, they're they're not exclusive. Sky News. Hell, I don't even know what the hell planet those people are on half the time. But I mean, I, I'm looking at some of this stuff, and I think to myself, what are you people actually doing? You've got millions of dollars or pounds or euros or whatever at your disposal. And Bruce and I were bringing this point up last week. Do you have any idea? What we could accomplish around here if we had even a tenth of that, as far as like money? Oh, I know. I know. BBC World News. If we had that kind of budget, can you imagine? Can you imagine what we could do here? BBC World News. Um, excuse me, but it's it's not what it was. And no matter what happens, we used to at some time either the nine o'clock news or the ten o'clock ten o'clock news at night. No matter what platform it was, there was always something about what was going on in the world. Nah, there's a definite lack of it. There is media has put us into our own little bubbles. Although the internet is there, you've got to be willing to look for it. 
And because people have lost the will to look for it, someone, someone out there, if they've had the ability to actually broadcast it and do whatever, I, it would be lovely. But Johnny, you're doing what you can and it's all good. Everybody that does it can only help some degree. Yeah, the people need to keep marching. They do. But again, you know, I, I, I sit here some days and, and I'm sure this probably crosses Bruce's, uh, crosses Bruce's mind too. But uh, I sit here some days and I think to myself, what more can we do? I mean, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I war with myself every day on this on this topic. And I think to myself, what more can we do? I, and I, I really do mean that. What more can we do? I, I don't know, apart from it's what we're doing to, to reach like the to, to reach the, the the amount that we're able to reach across the world like this first of all i never thought in a million years you know hell even 5 6 years ago that i would ever sit here and do something like this but you know what when i sit here and i do this i also think to myself the reason i am doing this is because what am i going to tell people when when time goes on and we're well on the other side of this and they ask what did you do during this time what am i going to say to them well nothing i just went along with it uh i i just you know i i went and i got the jab and you know i tried to do what i could and you know live a normal life and, and do everything but what what are you actually doing to help other people what, what are you doing to try and and get people I, and i hate the word influencer i don't like that because i'm not trying to influence anybody of anything if that means if that means that if an influencer is is somebody that gets someone else to think for themselves, then, okay, I'm guilty as charged. But I don't think that's what an influencer is by definition. So I don't consider myself to be one of those people, and I, and I never will. I don't want to influence the way someone thinks. I want to influence someone on how to think on their own. That's enough for me. That is enough not for me. To be, not to be afraid to do it. Yeah, and not, and not be afraid to do, it, of course. But it, it also to this point about sitting here and, and, and running this or running this in my head every day about why we're doing this. Me personally, I owe it at least for me. I mean, I'm I don't know if any of the rest of you feel the same, but I owe it to the last generations, my grandparents, my grandparents' generation. I owe it to them. Right, to every generation that comes along as well, and the ones coming up. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because no, I mean. Yeah, your previous generations and my generation, if you've been in defense or fought for your country or fought for any country or whatever, you will know what it's like to stand up and see things clearly. And yes, you might think you've done things that are not so good, bad, or when you reflect on them. But there's one thing I do know, and that is one of the hurtful, most hurtful things is that I've been in a couple of conflicts for my country. And while those conflicts were on, in the news and everything, everything was good and you were doing the right thing. When it was over, you come back to your own country and then you get flip side. You get people calling you murderers because you fought for your country and somebody died on the other side and you caused several people to die. So they then flip the coin and it's quite a hurtful thing. It's, 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 it's very strange because you've got all these different mannerisms of human society comes out. You've got, obviously, then you get you go into different places like whether it's bars or whether it's wherever, and you see people talking about the conflicts you've just been in, either pretending or saying they've been there to get people to talk or get free drinks or whatever, and you know damn well they haven't. And you're yeah. going, well, what's the point of that? But is you then start to see the manipulation that, those people that you've actually worked for or 
protected or whatever doing this and you're giving it human nature and be so poor and you can get infuriated or whatever but then you, you sit back and you give it so then you see the good side and but you understand the capability of what we are instead of the manipulative way that life has become because yeah. it has you know it has and it's really bad it, it has yeah you're absolutely right uh you know you're and i don't think you've seen this but uh you're talking about people being manipulated. We were talking there uh, very briefly about the media and how sheltered the media has become. Uh, this was uh, this was a newsstand. Uh, of course, you, you know how the British papers are. Every morning, you know, you got the you know the Daily Mail, the Sun, the Mirror, mm-hmm. the Daily Express, and all that stuff. You know, they're all in the stand there, and everyone's got well their own little whatever. Uh, but the booster program rolled out, and I, I don't want to get into COVID right now. But the booster program rolled out. Now, each one of these uh, these papers, you know, the Daily Telegraph, the Guardian, the Times, Daily Mail, the Sun, the Mirror. Uh, Daily Express, Daily Opposition to each other. Yeah, they're supposed to be in opposition to each other. But take a look at this. These are all of those papers on one morning. Do any of them look (laughs) like they are in opposition to each other? That's quite amusing, isn't it, if you think about it? Every single one of them has get boosted now on it for the the listener that that can't see it. (sighs) That's beautiful. Work of art, that. No manipulation there at all. No, no, none, none whatsoever. Oh, good God. Never mind. Should have bought one of each. But that's the manipulation right there, thinking that there's a difference between each one of those. And they're all essentially saying the same thing. They are well, not even essentially. They are saying the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And why are they? That's the question. The, the, why are they? Uh, who tells them that they have to put that in the front? I mean, usually a newspaper wants to run its own headline so it can sell more papers. It wants to be different and get the story first before somebody else. Yes. That in itself condemns itself. It's not, that is not good newspaper. I mean, Fleet, the Fleet Street reporter wants to learn his story <laughs> and be the first to get it out there. Uh-huh. That's a bit of an old story, is it not? It is. No, it is. It, it, that is quite a condemning picture, actually. It is. Quite sad. It is sad. When I saw that, uh, I want to say this was a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas. Uh, this came out, and I thought to myself, "How are we not just just by looking at this?" I thought, "My God, how are we not living George Orwell's 1984?" Just seeing this, how how are we not living that? In some respects, we are, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Again, you know what? We were only supposed to do just a little segment, and we ended up doing an entire podcast again. <laughs> so you know what? Sorry. That's no, you're good. You're good. Uh, but I am. Uh, I am spent. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure. But we will see you again in a couple of weeks. I'll be here. All right. So for anybody that would like to drop us any feedback, please do drop us a line at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. So I want to thank you for being here, Ned. Thank you, Bruce, for being here this evening. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.